Hello all and welcome to edition 129 of On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that is the epitome of playing for a draw and also the epitome of having a dig at someone that annoyed you years ago. I'm Michael Bailey, I cover the Canaries for The Athletic and I hope this finds you safe and well. On the way, stoking the fires, quizzings and your questions answered. We'll work through all that and more with our guest... This evening, who is on the ball's official random quiz master generator? It's Ryan Livermore. Thank you very much, Michael. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for having That's me. The uh, well, it's lovely to have you, Ryan. I was, if it must admit, it would just be me if not. <laughs> But that's fine. I'm pretty good at talking to hey, myself. Some would say that would be an improvement, but we'll um, we'll see how tonight goes. No one watching this podcast would, or listening to this podcast would say that, Ryan. Absolutely. Uh, do not worry about that. I am the hype man, which makes you what? The hypey. Hype, the hyped man. <laughs> the hyped. The hyped man. Hyped person. <laughs> um, it is a man. Is a man only podcast tonight, which is um, you know shame. But there we are. We'll make up for that in future. I'm sure. Um, here we are how exciting it's nice to do the pod uh this will be the pod uh the only pod of the international break we won't be on next week i'll just get that out there now um but we're going to use this opportunity to uh, get your questions answer them for those watching live and also talk some stuff and ryan has a quiz it's all very exciting uh, ryan how are you first of all how are you doing i'm doing very well michael i've been working a lot i'm very tired um, Excellent. And when you're tired at the end of a long week, the thing you look forward to most, most is sitting down and having a chance to relax at the weekend and watch your favourite football team. However, oh. um, the last week, I, I think, has left a lot to be desired in terms of Norwich. Let's let's say that much. But that aside, uh, I'm really good. Thank you. Um, which is a shame we have to talk about that all that tonight. You know. <laughs> well, you know, we can we can we can we can uh, we can talk about that. <laughs> uh, and we can also talk about other stuff. Um, we can do that as well. Uh, I am, uh, for those watching live, I am working. I am wearing an absolutely tremendously wonderful Torino shirt um, from my pal, Fresh Shirts UK, Zeke Downs, Knock'em Downs. Um, it's a lovely shirt. So there we go. I'm borrowing this one today. It's a, he, he, I almost lost all his last set of shirts, which would have cost me probably hundreds of pounds. I left them on a scooter and my mother-in-law saved them while i was on the train to london um thank you to the person who took them off the scooter in their little white and red checked bag and just placed them on the floor rather than disappearing off with them yes many, i am how, an idiot how many were in there do we five, know five five of them yeah including oh, that lovely grissier dortmund uh, oh black, my gosh so um yeah I'm a klutz, but uh, but uh, luck was on my side, thankfully. And whoever that person was, thank you. I do appreciate it. Um, Zeke uh, is obviously not... Um, well, I mean, you could say he's made a grave error by giving me more shirts <laughs> for me to lose. <laughs> but we will see. Maybe maybe I won't lose this lot. Um, I will try not to lose this one because it's lovely. So there we go. Torino shirt. Rah! There's no Norwich connection to Torino, but I can at least pronounce it. So that's a starting, a starting point. Um, so yeah, give Zeke a look, obviously, because <laughs> why wouldn't you? Uh, right. And those watching live, uh, where the, wherever it is, please do get your comments and questions on in as we go through the podcast, and we'll ask a few of those as we go along. Anything you want to ask, 
uh, be it on football or in life in general, like things we we were just uh, before we started recording, we were just having a quick discussion about things that we might not be comfortable talking about. Mm. Uh, we both said politics, which I guess mm. is a, in a public forum, probably wise at the moment. Um, and Ryan, you said crisps. Yeah, this is a weird thing. I don't like crisps. I, I saw a comment earlier which asked if it was crisps or um, just potato products in general. And <laughs> no, it's not. It's just crisps. I don't know why. I don't know what it is. I just can't. I can't deal with them. There we go. Thank you, Ian. Ian Palmer, is it just crisps or potatoes in general? I mean, yeah, chips, fine. Chips? Chips are fine. Okay. I'm very weird with cold, savory food anyway. That's 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 a wow. very strange that's a, area for me. A large it's amount a, of food. It's a large amount. I can probably count on one hand the amount of cold, savory things I'm comfortable with eating. But we're getting sidetracked now. This is totally irrelevant to anything yes. people have tuned in for. It's this or the goal is draw at Stoke. <laughs> so to be oh, honest, good point. Well, we're fine. Good point. But, but there was a question. So I wanted to know the last, what was the last crisp you ate? Racking my brain. And this is not what I... I've been told this. It was a packet of Watsits when I was about three or four. So nearly 25 years ago. See, I can understand a packet of Watsits completely putting you off crisps. I don't, I don't like Watsits. Oh. oh, no? No weird cheese. Why would, you, why would anyone we eat a flavour of crisps that's weirdly cheese? Like, you know, salted kettle chips. Oh, lovely. Mm -hmm. Pringles, sour cream and chive. That's okay. But you're not uh, a cheese and onion boy then. Weird, weird cheese, orange cheese. No. What about anyway. what about like the, the prawn cocktail ones though? Yeah, nothing wrong with those. Love a bit of prawn. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm glad we've cleared that up. <laughs> I think we're having a great podcast already as we continue to talk about crisps, and we want to hear your crisp inputs too. That, or you can talk about the football. It's completely your mm -hmm. choice. Um, speaking of which, yes, it, it, you don't have. You can get in touch with us even if you're not watching live. Um, in your and you're listening which is brilliant obviously obviously we can't reply live because that would involve bending the rules of time but we could mm -hmm. certainly come back next week or the week the next pod and get stuck into your uh questions all you need to do is send them in an email to twitterkers twitter k-e-r-s at icloud.com we love hearing from you uh but with that said i reckon we should crack on with this week's headline act And what headlines we have. Norwich's 85-point train is derailed. It is stuck down the bank somewhere, never to be seen again. And it has been replaced by the 81-point train, which is not as exciting and a bit slower and is literally not going to go as far. But who knows where the 81-point train will lead us. Uh, so we had, two, we had two games, Ryan. Uh, there was the goalless draw at Stoke, which... I'm going to struggle to remember much from because it was there. I was there. I partly wish I wasn't. Um, but at least I didn't pay for it. I feel for those who did. But maybe they enjoyed themselves because it's not always about the football. Before that, we had the Huddersfield draw. Uh, Huddersfield being, at the time, what I thought was one of the worst championship teams I'd ever seen. But then they went and won 1-0 at Millwall, <laughs> probably just to spite me. Um, what was worse, Ryan? What was worse? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I, on one hand, I think you can look at it as the the virtual capitulation in the second half at Huddersfield was very bad in of itself because 
with all due respect to Huddersfield, in that first half, they were very, very poor. Like, I mean, probably, I'd go as far as to say the worst championship team I've seen play this season in an, a half in isolation. Um, and the way Norwich fell apart in that second half and just looked a complete shell of the side that started the game was qu- quite spectacular in of it, in and of itself. But then you look at the Stoke game where it, you 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 use that can use that game as a chance to really bounce back with at the very least with a with a performance that shows that Norwich have a chance of being there or thereabouts. And we're sat here now saying that had it not been for Angus Gunn, I think. Norwich would be coming out of this week with one point instead of two. And that kind of speaks volumes of what was going on in, in front of him, which, to be honest, wasn't a lot. Um, I was very surprised with the changes that happened for the Stoke game as well. Because um, am I right in thinking, Michael, that it looked from paper like it was like a uh, five, almost a five, two, three formation but then it sort of turned into 4231 with Max Aaron's playing on the right which which struck me as very odd in in a way because Wagner's teams kind of rely on full backs bombing high up the pitch and providing the width whilst the wingers sort of are, are inverted and pick up those half spaces and Max isn't that kind of player on that on that flank is he really no, it was uh, to me. It was more of a four-four-two, uh, but a bit asymmetrical because I think they looked at Stoke. Tyrese Tyrese um, Campbell is is a cracking player, and he's um, probably a standout player for Stoke. And he plays on the on their left. So to me, he was playing Max and Max Aarons and Jakob Sorensen on the same wing to counter that really to keep him yeah. doubly busy so I um and and Christos was then playing on the other flank but was a lot more tucked in and advanced so it kind of rotated a bit like with any formation it's kind of described by whatever you see at that point because it can be so fluid yeah. and change um but in terms of general general shape um I saw a 442 mostly and um and it in in a in a way it did work because Although Tyrese Campbell was still quite uh, quite busy, he he and Stoke ran out of ideas. I thought as the game wore on, mostly, and um, Norwich rode out some some chances, but were, you know it was just a bit rank as a game. So you know, you kind of yeah. that's what the idea was, then that's kind of the success at that point, really. So hmm. uh, it worked in that effect. I mean. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily, I don't think any manager has ever set up a team just to draw. Like even in the most uh, difficult of circumstances, you will, what you will try and do is try and stop the opposition playing and then hope you can pick up a point or a goal. Sorry, hope you can pick up a goal before you didn't slip. Hope you can go and pick up a goal and win the game. Everyone wants to win the game ultimately. So I don't think anyone actually plays for a draw and Alec Neal probably knows that himself. Um, but it was still interesting that he decided to have that little comment about David Wagner and 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 Norwich, I suppose, in general, um, which I'm sure was was directed yeah. at, at people <laughs> that, yeah. that he was still sort of um, stewing on, maybe a little bit. But there we go. Mm. So that was all fun. Uh, I do I do think that the point against Stoke would have looked a hell of a lot better had Norwich not been completely terrible in the second half against Huddersfield, which is such a shame because they 
they looked were so comfortable in the first half and Huddersfield weren't any better. And they scored a lovely goal as well. So um, I don't know what the worst part of that performance was really, but it was probably the, the directionless mm. of it all. I was going to say, it, it, it always strikes me as really fascinating that how valuable one point is can completely hinge on a game that's happened prior to it. Because I feel like had Norwich held on at Huddersfield, then given the the form that Stoke are in at the moment, you then look at that and go, oh, they, they weren't at their best. But look at that. They've got a, a point at a, tr- a tricky place to go and they've held it out. And and it's, you know, it's a point towards their ultimate goal of getting in the top six. But when you put into context what happened earlier in the week, it, it looks like another two points dropped. And luckily, though, they still somehow managed to make up some ground on Saturday, right? Because, oh. as you said, Huddersfield <laughs> did. And it's, it's remarkable, isn't it? And I think that's probably the best metaphor for the division this season. Is like, it, It's all over the place, isn't it? In that top six, certainly. Yeah, it's, it's it. exactly right. Exactly right. Um well, let's, uh, I tell you what, we'll get to some of your questions, well, some of your comments. Let's see what we got comments-wise, and then we'll get into the first part of our quiz. We're going to have sure. two little windows, and then we're going to do the answers at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, they, it, the quiz is designed, absolutely designed, so that everyone watching can join in. Yes, absolutely. Exciting. Mm-hmm. exciting. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, Declan Cotter says, the two best presenters. No, there you go. No, no. <laughs> very kind of you, Declan, but th- thank you very much. But I, I, I feel like a fraud. I can't lie. <laughs> Just wanted to make Ryan blush there. Um, Jeff Man does come in with a quick question. Jeff Man ninety eight. Favorite My Little Pony character, Ryan? That's a great question. Um, I'm at my girlfriend's place at the moment, and she has all of her. Oh wow! Uh, ones I up there yes. exactly. Um, oh, good question, Jeff Man. I would say Rarity is my favorite. Is that an actual name of a? Yeah, it is. is it? it is. Yeah, wow. this is a po- this. The podcast title is going to be "Crisps and My Little Pony," and yep. this is going to be so that, out of context, but I love it. That or Alec Neal. Um, yes, <laughs> oh, that's good. I, I remember going to see a Care Bears film when I was about four. May have even been nice. the first Care, the first film I saw at the cinema, and I turned Ooh. out fine. So yes, <laughs> exactly. Anyway. Um, and Elliot. Hello, Elliot. He says, I had fried egg crisps today. Now, I've heard about these fried eggs crisps. Are they not very expensive, Elliot? Are you, are you eating the most elegant of crisps with those? So, hang on. Is, is it, are they crisps that are fried egg flavoured or are they actual fried eggs that have been crisped? I would be, I would be led to believe it's the former. That would be okay. my feeling. Uh, my wife saw these on sale somewhere. They may not be the same ones, but the ones I saw that she saw... Uh, she was going to buy until they told her how much they were. So, um, Elliot, please, I, I hope I, I, don't leave us hanging. How good were those fried egg crisps? We would, of course, love to know. Right. I tell you what, let's uh, go into our first quiz window, shall we? I'm going to hand you over temporarily to our Quizmaster General, Mr. Ryan Livermore. Thank you very much, Michael. So tonight's quiz is based on a popular board game called Linky. Oh. And the premise is very simple. I'm going to ask you, the viewers and Michael, three questions. You have to write down what you think the answers are to those three questions. But that's not how you get the point. You have to work out what the connection is between the three answers you have written down and that connection will get you a point. Excellent. Does that make sense? Fantastic. Yes, I'll speak on behalf of everyone. Yes. Wonderful. Okay, so for set number one, the question is, the first question, 
Goalkeeper who has played more games for the club than any other player. Okay. Goalkeeper who has played more games for the club than any other player. I, I, saw, I saw him pop up in a video the other day. Hmm. Yeah. Number two. Yes. Striker who sits third in the all-time top scorers list. Striker who sits third in the all-time top scorers list. Yeah. And the third and final question. Inaugural City Hall of Famer who finished top scorer in his first season at the club as Norwich were promoted back to the top tier. Inaugural City Hall of Famer who finished top scorer in his first season at the club as Norwich were promoted back to the top tier. That is your first set of questions. <coughs> oh. How are we getting on? I don't know. I'm not sure if I know that second one. Oh, okay. Well, Which season what... was that? Ah, that all. Too big a clue. I think it might be too big of a clue. It was, I'll tell you, I'll give you a sort of a, a, a hint. It was in the 80s. Yeah, okay. And we'll move on to the second batch of questions. Yes. So this is question two, part one. Former City midfielder who went on to manage the club in what was his first management role. Former City midfielder who went on to manage the club in what was his first management role. Okay. Question two. Yeah. Ex-utility man who made 54 appearances for the Canaries between 63 and 66 before moving to Chester. Ex-utility man who made 54 appearances for the Canaries between 63 and 66 before moving to Chester. That's really hard, isn't it? Uh, no. Go on, next one. <laughs> and the last one. City legend and former Sheriff of Norwich who also briefly managed the club. City legend and former Not Sheriff of quite. Norwich who also briefly managed the club. Not quite as hard. So the idea is you've got six answers. The first three, if you can get the connection... Then you have the answer and the next yes. three, same again. You get the point for the connection at the end. Um, we've got two more of these that we'll do in, in another 20 minutes or so, or, or mm. well, however long the podcast going on for. <laughs> and then we'll do the answers, but we'll we'll warn you before the answers that come up. So then you can, you know, try and get all the answers if you want and, and do them later on. Unless obviously you're watching live, in which case you'll just have to close your ears or look <laughs> away now if you don't want to see the results or hear them. Uh, right. Great work. We'll come back to the quiz in a bit. Um in the meantime, let's go on to uh, things we are not going to talk about, which will also probably be your questions. So let's do a few of those. Uh, one thing we should probably talk about uh, is Angus Gunn is going to be a Scotland international. He got called up for Scotland. I can't remember if we spoke about it last week. We must have done. Um, but that's very exciting for Angus, isn't it, Ryan? Absolutely. I mean, I, I feel like looking at the the goalkeepers on scotland's roster i i don't think they can go much wrong with with angus they have a couple of good goalkeepers there but i think angus has certainly proved this season that he is certainly capable of playing in a uh a level higher than than this one at certainly at, at points um if we're being honest as well as much as he had early promise i don't see him getting near the england team anytime soon um which is a big shame because I remember when we first had him on loan, he went off and trained with the England senior squad before the 2018 World Cup. He did, did he not? He did. Yeah. But um, listen, it's good for him. It's good for his family as well. And I know that there's a whole debate to be had about 
particularly at this time of the season, players going off on international duty. But I, I'm always been of the opinion that it's not a bad thing to have players who are representing uh, their countries uh, on a on a bigger stage like this and showing what they what they can do. Well, I mean, they're not really going to be missing much here, are they? It doesn't feel like one where we're all going to be watching, hoping everyone stays fit. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm being unfair, but that's that is what it feels like. Anything you don't want to talk about, Ryan? Um, <laughs> um, oh, that's a good question. I did have one um, because I, I've seen a couple of tweets and a friend of mine when we were watching the Huddersfield game, he he sort of turned to me in the 70th minute and went, oh, I don't think I've seen much improvement from Wagner than I have under Smith. And I sort of looked at him like, really? Um, I Listen, I, I know things aren't ideal at, at the moment, but I saw a, a stat earlier today that I think Norwich have still picked up the sixth most points in the championship in 2023, which is, again, we might be three points off the top six at the moment, but I think to compare where this team is, under David Wagner three months in to where it was under Dean Smith 13 months in, I think is, is a bit, is a, it's a, the, it's the inevitable comparison, isn't it? People always compare the new manager to the old one when things aren't going on going great. But I think the, the, the time frame each coach has had, you, you can't directly compare the two and listen that there are always going to be flaws in, in the game plan. We knew when Wagner came in, it's going to be very, very open um and there's a lot of work to be done but i i think to say that there's been no improvement whatsoever has is um is jumping the gun a, a little bit a little bit too much um not to say that it's without its flaws like i say um i thought certainly in the second half of huddersfield you saw a lot of the the problems with his style of play sort of being that there didn't seem to be anyone in that middle third who could connect defense to attack and that's obviously how huddersfield scored their goal which was i mean i'm sure we'll, we might dissect it at some point but it was absolutely nah nah, nah fair. it was absolutely it was absolutely abysmal wasn't it but yes um it wasn't even a shot on target at the end of it yeah, <laughs> yeah and, just, and oh gosh yeah i uh i did get to uh i did get to stay with uh with uh dan and zoe off of the pod, uh, which I think came, I can't remember if it came up on air or off air after the last podcast, but they were very kind and they put me up on the way to uh, Huddersfield, which is very, so lovely to see them. And um, uh, I was, oh, I can't, I've completely lost my trail of thought there, but I was, I was talking to them. What was I talking to them about the goal? What were we talking about? The goal, the fact that yeah. The goal, the shot the on target. Not, no shots no on, shot target. on target. Mm-hmm. Can't remember what I was saying, but it was it was going to be something about you know how oh yes that's it uh, the fact that you know I everyone may have thought I was a bit harsh on Grant Hanley just doing his job by getting back on the line against Millwall to make that late stop, um, and the reason I was slightly hesitant about you know the uber praise for that one moment was because a he got back on the line against Burnley and didn't really do anything to stop the ball, and then. Uh, on you know Wednesday night, he got back on the line and couldn't react to the ball hitting the post and scored an own goal. But um, you know it's a bit mean because you know Grant yeah. so Grant's doing his best. Goodness yeah, sake, not, aren't we all? I mean, it's, it's, it sounds obvious. It's one. It's one of those where when it comes off, you're the best defender in the world and your anticipation's great. But then when an awkward situation like that comes up, people are likely going to criticise that being your chosen decision. But I, uh, oh, I'm gonna. Oh, 
I think I think it's a bit harsh. I don't think he can really help it hitting the post from that that close range and and hit and hitting him and going in. But I I do appreciate where you are coming from with it, Michael. I know it is a bit harsh. It's, it's all jokes, really. Jokes and entertainment. It's only football. Um, what I was going to say because you talked about the comparisons there. Uh, Billy Bob Bulldogs, make sure I say that correct. Uh, does Smith playing for a draw at Burnley and Wagner playing for a draw at Stoke mean neither manager believes the players are good enough to compete? I mean, as I kind of said earlier, I don't, I don't, I, in terms of the Burnley game, I don't think Dean Smith set up the team again just to draw, that it's always to be solid and then try and work a way of scoring. They were just completely second best while Burnley pressed them. Um, in those first 20 minutes and then they kind of got a bit more of a grip on it um and obviously they would have wanted to win but just weren't really you know mm-hmm. able to get anywhere near it mm-hmm. and uh again i just thought it was quite poor i mean i uh, i would like I, I just can't see how they would i don't i don't think i've known any team to just go and play for a draw i mean maybe apart from grimsby at brighton the other day um in the fa cup also ben east is in in touch um which is probably part of the context. Uh, more, This is on Twitter. Thanks, Ben. Uh, more comment than a question, but I did find it amusing that for all Wagner's fired up and quite rousing words about a performance needed to be three points from the playoffs with eight to go, um, which was only the case because Millwall lost at home to Huddersfield, which obviously was not in the plan, which I think is a fair point, exactly, because that was a fairly ridiculous result. Um uh, so yeah, I, I, I with this also probably does pop into um, come into another question from Pink and Morph. Hello there, Pink and Morph. Is the new manager bounce over at City, and are we now resort or are we now resorting to a normal position? And I do think what the, the similarities in that performance at Stoke compared to what we were seeing before does scream to me that, and I remember thinking this at the time, it's never just the head coach's fault. Uh, the whole idea that Dean Smith went and then everything was going to be great, which, to be honest, was how it got painted by everyone, including the club. They, that's exactly what they want because they want that to be the narrative. But it was never that straightforward. And I think what we're seeing now is that a lot of the issues are still, surprise, surprise, they're still there. But now, obviously, the head coach applauds the fans. <laughs> that's, yeah. Or at least, at least closer to, he applauds them closer to them. Dean Smith did it just from not moving from his dugout. Yeah. I feel that uh, the... With the Stoke game in particular, it's you can praise the defensive performance if you restrict the opposition to um, limited chances and a limited quality of chances. But if we're being honest, Stoke, as, as well as Angus, Angus Gunn played, Stoke did have three or four really good opportunities. And then obviously, I know Josh Sargent had his chance where he went through at the start of the game, but I, I don't think you can necessarily praise a, a defensive, a collective defensive performance if you're conceding, uh, I, I think it was what, at the total of the game was like 1.3 XG or something like that. Why not? And you, why not? <laughs> so something, it was certainly over one and more to the point, much more than Norwich created themselves. But yeah, I, I feel like if you're relying on the last line of defence, you can't praise your defensive unit as as putting in a, a, a you know a rousing solid display when they were getting cut open or in, uh, and are indebted by the man who is essentially a last resort. Let's be real; that's that's the point of the goalkeeper, right? So, yeah. Um, I have to say that Angus Gunn did very well, obviously against Stoke, but and 
this may be harsh again just i'm really just a really harsh man um i did i don't think any of the saves i looked at and went that's a that is a blinding save like mm. either the finishing was straight at him so it hit him mm. or you know angus is making himself big which is a skill in itself um and he's anticipating the situations very well um but i think with a bit of quality finishing then that would have been that it's just as culpable there so I yeah, I, I mean, you could you could you could also look at that on the other side and and say his positioning was very very good, and also the the like the distance in the area, his his parries went as well. They weren't just out of danger, but at times they were almost out right to the touchline to kind of slow the attack down and and kill it a bit. And then there's, I I think I think his best save was the um was it the second one from the header? Was it Campbell who got the header in? Yeah, he sort of came yeah. and spread himself. I think that's his that was the best save of the lot really yeah. um but yeah i i feel like again a team with, with a better quality of finishing is likely to to punish but um yeah yeah i mean we, we can then criticize that all we want but he, the thing is he, he did his job flawlessly hence the, the clean sheet and that's all 100%. that's all you can all you can say exactly that exactly that um jeffman 98 back in touch hanley rugby tackling keith stroud the referee was the only highlight of that huddersfield game uh yeah it was Huddersfield wasn't it it was a brilliant rugby tackle and mm. it was great watching Keith Stroud then pelt forward to try and keep pace with the counter-attack uh which he didn't really manage to do and when when the ball went out of play as Norwich ma- managed to get get it back uh he was blowing <laughs> so fair fair play to Keith Stroud the EFL championship uh legend that he is uh, and that was very funny sorry Michael um just sort of on Keith Stroud I guess um it it, it might just be pointless chat now because the red car got overturned but from the the press box at Huddersfield what was your view on the Makinios um, red in, in, in red because yeah the I follow stream I I looked up when we were looking at it um my first thought was oh he's given a free kick and then you sort of saw him running like like the refs do with a hunched over and they're like you know bombing like sonic <laughs> over there and his hand was going to his back pocket and I was kind of like really is that what you're giving it for and then you saw the Huddersfield bench sort of going up for it and then i was like he's gonna is he gonna send him off he can't send him off for that surely and then but they showed the the, but then they showed the close-up of um who was it sorry who he he jumped with the left back um Uh, ruffles was it with ruffles i think and he's um josh Josh and his lips and his lip was um his lip was bleeding so i was like well maybe there was more to that but it seemed very very harsh at the time i just wanted to know how you saw it from where you were sat yeah, it's quite an interesting case study, really, because for me, uh, I saw it at the time and then the replays and thought that's really, really harsh. It seemed like he he jumped, but he had to have his arm up. He didn't actually forcefully elbow him in the face. Um, but you see, then I saw Ruffles have, you know, his face was sort of beaten up and his lip was really swollen. And he was obviously bleeding and had to change his shirt. And then I was like, well, in fairness, if you've led with your arm to jump and then the other guy is left with a really bloody face, then that that is that is probably not due care to your opposition even if you maybe need to get your arm up so then i could i kind of felt that it would be incredibly hard to overturn it but i suppose so i was really surprised the appeal it, they appealed and was successful i suppose the argument is that you can't referee a situation based on the result of the contact so I remember Martin Taylor injuring Eduardo at Arsenal. This is a Birmingham Arsenal late 90s references. And um, 
I don't think it was the worst tackle in the world, but Eduardo broke his leg and everyone was like, well, that's got to be a massive ban or whatever because he's, you know, he's broken the player's leg. But, you know, sometimes uh, it doesn't have to be a really bad tackle to create, you know, bad injuries. And you probably should, I don't know. It's a, it's like a philosophical debate really, isn't it? Is mm. it, do you, do you penalize someone because of the results, whether they meant it or not, because you've, is it just an intrinsic risk of playing the sport and trying to challenge for a ball? Or is it actually that you do have a greater duty of care? I mean, to me, you know, if, if, if Ruffles has got his face bashed up because Marquinhos has got his arm raised, then, okay, it's unfortunate, but, it, you know, that is kind of dangerous, isn't it? So I'm still a bit surprised, but maybe you can't officiate based on the injury that a player received which i kind of get in real time but then i'm thinking retrospectively like to actually overturn something because his face was beaten up i find quite strange i don't know how often that's happened but mm. so there we go i don't know the answer and i'm debating it with myself <laughs> um so that's uh that's grand uh but there we go harad key stroud <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, which is all good um ian rudd has been in touch uh what's ryan's secret for still looking 15 uh which is obviously would be considered a major dig but for the fact that we both worked with Ian at Mustard TV back in the day. Yes. Hello, so Ian. He's allowed that's to have a very, him. my goodness, that's a very surly profile picture, Ian. Yes, he plays wow. baseball. So if he uh, plays his cards right, Mark Atanasio might sign him up for the Brewers. Oh, my goodness. There's your next you athletic it? article. I love it. Did you imagine it? <laughs> so there we go. Um, uh, right, we have got other questions, but I reckon before we get stuck into those, Ryan, shall we go on to part two of our quiz? Yes, let's yes. do it. So we have another two questions. And like the first set, they will be broken down into two sets of three, everyone. Oh. So pens or devices at the ready. <laughs> Question three, part one. USA forward, who was the subject of a club-made documentary called Resilient. USA forward, who was the subject of a club-made documentary called Resilient. Part two. Dutch one-season wonder who was unable to help prevent City's relegation to the championship that year. Dutch one-season wonder who was unable to help prevent City's relegation to the championship that year. Part three. Sitimi, uh, Sitimi, <laughs> good start. City Academy product turned pundit who is now best known for his wonky finger. City Academy products turned pundit who is now best known for his wonky finger. What was that second one again? Just very quickly, Ryan, what's the second one again? Dutch one season wonder who was unable to help prevent City's relegation to the championship that season. Cool. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Carry on. And The final question, question four, part one. One time City Loney and now out of work manager most recently sacked by Club Bruges. One time City Loney and now out of work manager most recently sacked by Club Bruges. Part two, after joining on loan, this player scored on his debut against Ipswich before making the move permanent the following January. After joining on loan, the pl- this player scored on his debut against Ipswich Town before making the move permanent the following January. And part three to that question. After hanging up his boots, this former midfielder Don De Gilet, which he also hung up before becoming a pundit. I should read that better because it sounds like <laughs> Don De Gilet is like a French 
midfielder who wore a long I've met shirt. Him. So I've met him. <laughs> he was on the back of the long shirt. It was great. Uh, <laughs> part three. After hanging up his boots, this former midfielder donned a gilet, which he also hung up before becoming a pundit. Okay. There we go. So again, all three answers have a link. Mm-hmm. And the link is the answer. So you've got four answers for four points. As it stands, I have gaps and no links. But I've got to do a podcast in the meantime. We'll bring the answers before we finish tonight. How exciting. Ryan, as always, thank you for your brilliant quiz master of generaling. In this quiz, which is named, what's this quiz named? Um, City Linky. Uh, City Linky. There we go. All right. We'll do that. Perfect. <laughs> um <laughs> Well, we've got up to there. Let's uh, move on, shall we, to um, a bit of, God bless him, John Watson. This is almost fantasy football. Yes, the fantasy football is that. It's an international break. That's exciting. Uh, Max Aarons is still away with the under-21s, <laughs> um, which, is, which is good work, um, as he's 23. Uh, so I think this will be his last cycle. Um, Angus is away with Scotland. Others are obviously away doing their things too. Um, it, we, it's the first international break of the season because the only other break was a World Cup, which I guess was an international break, but a, a bit weird, obviously. Uh, then on their return, Norwich host Sheffield United. That's exciting. It's a big game. Uh, we are actually away for Easter, by the way, after that Sheffield United game. Uh, there will be one podcast during that break, at least. Maybe two. Not quite worked it out. Steve's going to be looking after it. Uh, so that's all grand. I'm going on my holes, which I hope is okay, because we were supposed to go and then COVID struck and we didn't. So that's uh, that. If that's okay with everyone, great. Thank you. So, yeah, um, I mean, uh, the Sheffield United game is a very big game, Ryan. I mean, we've got that and Middlesbrough obviously coming up. Middlesbrough's now on a Friday night, by the way. Um, I guess it would be classic Norwich to beat Sheffield United at home and then everyone gets a bit excited. I mean, Max Ahrens, when he spoke to us at the end of the game on Saturday, he didn't give up on the top two. He was like, look, we're still hoping for a top two finish, which I find remarkable, bearing in mind they can only get 81 points. I don't even think the top two is remotely possible now. Um, but, you know, there we go. Uh, so he's not giving up on it, um, which is fair enough. Uh, but yeah, Sheffield United, hey? Are they going to finish in the top two, do you think, Ryan? Oh, um... Uh, <laughs> lots of noises. Lots of noises. No. I agree. I I'm I think Borough. Yeah. I do I think, think Borough. I feel I feel with the amount of gains Sheffield United have coming up as well, I, I think they um they might fall a little bit short. I still find it a bit crazy that they're they're all calling for Paul Heckingbottom to get sacked, given he's genuinely done an excellent job. Um, Why are they doing that? Uh, I think they've they've lost six of the last nine league games, I wanna say. Um, they're not in the which, FA Cup semi-finals now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got Man City, yeah. haven't they? <laughs> in the FA Cup semi-finals. I mean, to, so... be, to be fair, him getting that team in the top two for so long, I think, is brilliant so far. Yeah, that that I team th- is not great, <laughs> really, <laughs> is it? No, it's it's not. I don't think it's necessarily better than the than the team that got them up a few years ago. But then we could say that about our team as well, can't we? So that, that that's a whole other mm-hmm. conversation. But um, I think them finishing the top two is not a bad thing from a Norwich standpoint, purely on the basis that you've proven you can have the um the one season to kind of reevaluate where you're at and then using that as a spring ball to, for the to get promoted the 
the the following season. But um, going back to the original question, um, it would be very Norwich, wouldn't it, to go and beat a team like that at, at home? And I think there's a very good chance of doing that. It's, um, as you say, I, I don't think they are necessarily are at their at a level to be in the top two at the moment. Um, but then again, they've been there for most of the season, haven't they? And back when we played them at Bramall Lane in, was it November, October, November time? Yeah, it was October, wasn't it? Yes, um, indeed. Both sides were on a bit of a slump and they rode theirs out, didn't they? And they, they came back strength to strength. Um, they've got a lot of championship experience in that team as well. There's some really good players in there. I'm a big fan of um, Sanderberger. And um, I really like, um, uh, is it Njai? Njai is yes, the striker. Yes, yeah. He played at the but, World um, Cup. He did, yeah, he did. Um, oh, it's, uh, I, I, it's, it's going to be, it's, listen, it's going to be fun. Let's put it that way. It's going to be a fun <laughs> few days watching Norwich around that time. But I, um, yeah, I can't see them finishing in, in the top two at, at the moment. But that being said there's a chance for Norwich to capitalize on that on the form which has led us to thinking that right I mean they're, exactly. they're not in the best place however they are still in the top two and you have to respect that but I find it really strange sorry just quickly Michael that Max Aarons I didn't see those quotes that he still says they think top two is possible because didn't David Wagner come out literally minutes later and say no top two's gone <laughs> oh, I, possibly I missed that bit I, I think Max was more like just trying not to rule it out just for the sake he didn't want to be the one to rule mm. it out so I suppose maybe Wagner is able to rule that out if he wants um, and maybe Max didn't want to be the one making that call which is fine you know I don't think if they looked at the table they would be quite aware that that wouldn't happen but then you know game to game doesn't matter um one thing we do know is that Sheffield United love playing Norwich. Their supporters are always big fans of it. So um, hopefully we'll have a proper decent atmosphere for the game at Carrow Road, which will be good. Um, it'll be one that hopefully everyone turns up for and gives it a right old good go. So that's grand. Um, and we'll see how the 81-point train survives that. Uh, let's have a look at some more of your questions and try and... Uh, oh, Norwich City's under-21s have just gone 2-1 up against West Bromwich Albion at West Brom. Mm. So there we go. That's exciting update. I, I saw. Uh, that's true. Sorry, I, I, saw, I saw Abu Kamara scored in that game, and he's one to talk about. Although he did just he did score an own goal. It was an own goal. Yes, it was. It was yes. an own and goal. and in, in fact, we did get a question. Yes, so if we oh. go through some of your questions now. Yes, it's been given. No, sorry, it's now been given as Mo Fowles goal for West Brom, who oh. scored an own goal to put Norwich ahead as well. So there we go. Excellent. He's got two. Fantastic. All kicking off. Um, Connor McCartney asked, uh, are there any youth players that have potential for the first team? Kamara is on the bench. Um, well, he was certainly on the bench last week. I think he's on, been on the bench here and there. Uh, he is yet to make his uh, make yet to make his uh, debut. Uh, Brad Hills has just scored Norwich's um, a goal there to give them a 2-1 lead very late in the game. Uh, and he is one who has been travelling with the senior team, Brad Hills. Um, so there's a few probably at the that are on the fringes of it. Uh, Jaden Warner is another one. Um, uh, Sean Stewart has, has been doing pretty well. I liked him when I saw him, but admittedly it was a little while ago. There's a few who obviously played during pre-season as well. There's a Lewis Shipley who's centre-back. Um, so there's a few there, um, but it's not, 
I, it's hard to say how close those players are. I think there's a there's a big gap, and I don't think there's universal confidence in who's going to be making the grade and really pushing the first team. But I guess in that it also depends on what level the first team are operating. And you, if if Norwich are a mid table championship team next season, you know, floating somewhere between eleventh and fifteenth. Um, which I'm afraid is a possibility, <laughs> then, you know, all of a sudden you are primed for young players coming through and, and just maybe catching the eye and surprising them, which is what some of the players have done in recent years. You know, Max Ahrens was a was sort of a, a surprise. The way Andrew Omabamadeli really sort of attacked things early on and, and at Premier League level was, was brilliant to see as well. So you never quite know. Um, there will be those opportunities, though, definitely. Hmm. I, find, I always find it a very difficult question to navigate because... I think people very much underestimate the difference between under 21s football and the standard of which you have to be at to compete in uh, even League Two, League One, right? And there's always this emphasis on these young lads that they are the answer. And let's be completely, uh, boil it down to its most, you know, like um, embryonic point. If they are ready, they will be given a chance, right? Like the same that happened with Max, it happened with Andrew, it's happened with, with Todd when he was here, um, Ben Godfrey when he came in as well. If they're not ready, they're going to be, um, they will be eased in over a period of minutes. So to kind of put that pressure on them so early on in their careers, I feel is can be more detrimental than, than good. Because there's the argument then, oh, you put them in playing with these better players and they're going to get better from that. And it's, like, yeah, they will get better if they can keep up to the pace of everything because it's not just the physicality of it all because these lads could run for miles and miles. You have to have the the mental um, sharpness and stamina to be able to compete at that level. And there's such an emphasis now, isn't there, on the, the psychology behind it all. But you don't want to risk burning out these guys before they've even got a sniff at anything. So you you can't put all your eggs in, in, their, in their basket and, and expect them to compete at a level if they're just not ready for it is as simple Definitely. as that really yeah exactly and um you have to you have to try and develop them as best you can and give them the right environment to develop but also learn improve and have confidence and the ability to make mistakes but learn from them as well um and there's loads of players who've managed to do that under the right under the right coaching and daniel farker was very good at it um, when he was here a few years ago, which obviously helped with that transition for those younger players too. So we, we will see how they um, kick on. I mean, it's also the case you can see how good players are potentially from their loan moves as well. So Bali Mumbers had a really successful time of it at Plymouth, scored some great goals. I still think there's huge question marks over his defensive capabilities. And also what then happens if Plymouth don't go up? Does that make it a different scenario for him? It's hard to say. So um, I think a lot of the case that loan will be better but obviously don't forget max Aarons didn't go out on loan and then he just broke through at norwich and shone so um loads of things to play with but uh so don't really know is probably the fair answer connor because we'll have to wait and see who gets their opportunities there may be some opportunities towards the end of the season but i don't think it'll be anyone of massive surprise and then you know even if there are players now that they really like the look of um, they could still be three or four years away from where they think they can get involved. And, and a lot can happen in that time as well. They can lose their way, but also other players can suddenly suddenly click, especially when you get into a new season at whatever development level it is. So um, one to keep an eye on, one to keep an eye on, but that's not really a proper answer. And I know you wanted a name. <laughs> uh, so there we go. Um, whatever ones we got. Oh, okay, Alex is a good one. What's a uh, favourite Norwich kit? 
um, can be anything, home, away, or special edition. Favorite, my favorite Norwich kit. Um, I have, I have um, a current tied top two, and they're both very recent, which might be, which you might assume is recency bias, but I genuinely love these kits any more than ones that have been put out before. Um, the pandemic season, um, the as you put it at the time, the delicatessen pink, black, and purple. <laughs> zigzag third strip oh yeah okay love that strip love that strip so much i'm a big fan of kind of the the hipstery football jerseys that you can sort of wear with a pair of jeans and go out and about in and that fits in that category and i really love the um the pastel blue and pink purple fur kit from this year as well oh oh i i love it you're not a fan it's not it's the the worst of all three kits in my view do you think so i'm not young and hip so that's probably why I'm not. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not hip, but I lo- I'm young ish. Um, so. I love the nine. I mean, a lot of the time it's just by association. So it's a bit like a Formula One car. They always look good when they're really fast. Um, this, uh, is, so this is something I've been thinking all season is the kits this year are so good that we can't possibly be bad. Like we're not allowed to be bad because the kits are so good. But the problem is we're quite true. bad and the kits are really good. True. I know. We're I so um, the Premier League kit in 2011-12, I think, was it the first season promoted? That's a yeah. lovely classic, the yeah. classic Italian one. It's the first uh, uh, array one, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. yeah, it may well have been. Yeah, it's, that's, yeah. that's a lovely kit um there's a few away kits that i can't really think of probably um i love the navy third kit in the 97 8 season but that's mostly because i remember norwich wearing it at barnsley and then taking the top off and being really good in the second half and just winning three one so that's like a fond memory um so yeah that's probably it and and i there's nostalgia with the Asics kit because that's the first kit I really remember Norwich playing in. So, I, what, what I would like to do before this season is finished is we'll have a, a bumper on the ball episode where everyone has to bring their couple, their like two or three favourite Norwich kits of all times, and the two or three they absolutely despise, and we just <laughs> comp- we just compare and combi- compile a list of all the kits that we've we've put together. I think that'd be loads of fun. I love that idea. Um, uh Declan Cotto was the Stoke the most undeserving point in our history <laughs> um uh, oh well no I mean Norwich had the odd chance um I would imagine there's probably more undeserving points mm. but how do you get what you deserve in football you know that's, that's... this is this is the age-old question isn't it if yeah. you, you can say you can deserve it all you want but if you haven't scored then you haven't deserved it right exactly that's... Uh, let's rattle through a few of these, shall we? Stephen Bird, what happened with Todd Cantwell? The real backstory, please. Oh, Stephen, I've been asked this so many times. I mean, I wrote four pieces on The Athletic. I think it's a bit like jigsaw, a jigsaw puzzle, really. If you put everything together, then there's an answer there to what is public knowledge. But I guess a lot of people won't won't consider they know an answer until Todd has on the record said what he believes he needs to say as well. Um I don't, I don't it's probably just not really a big thing i think it's being made into a big thing but kind of like he did well then he lost his form and then he lost a bit of confidence and then the some of the coaching staff probably lost a bit of faith in him he probably lost a bit of faith in them then he got a bit tired because he was still at norwich then he went to bournemouth okay but then he kind of lost his way and i don't know is he is he is he the most hungry of all footballers i don't know i don't know the answer to that um 
could be so many different things because then you take into account as a human being what the other stuff that's going on. So it's probably an answer like that. What it isn't, I think, is one answer. There is not one answer to what's happened because life is never that straightforward. So I hope that sort of gives you some reflection. But read the pieces on the athletics, Stephen. There's plenty of them. Um uh with all the with all the well with loads of details in there um oh alex has asked a good one for michael me mb as a journalist how much insight into the club do you actually have is it more or less than fans often think you do what a lovely question i know nothing alex i'm just a massive blagger i've not got a clue um I think like anything, I would imagine I probably know more than a lot of people. There's stuff you can say in public. There's stuff you can't because maybe you haven't um, got it backed up. Um, you don't know it's definitely true, but you sort of know of it. Uh, maybe you only get it corroborated by different sources at a later point. Um, I won't know everything because if you know any organization has certain things they don't want anyone to know that's just the way of the world also there's stuff i might know but i don't it's not right that i make public unless it's in the public interest so um yeah um i i think i probably know a bit more because i'm paid to do that um but um also a lot of it is is opinions and stuff as well so i suppose there's there's different things aren't there there's there's opinions and then there's details and then there's people's opinions of things and all sorts so um yeah don't know if that's an answer but i hope it i, I, hope, I hope it was some sort of answer for you um it's, um it's it's sorry having studied sports journalism at, at uni as well it sort of Ooh. comes down to contacts and patterns as well doesn't it because i after following what a, how a club operates for so long i think you can kind of eventually make an educated guess in it and you, you, you're closer to the answer than, or the answer than not, right? Like you kind of, you, you pick up these things over time and it comes with the the experience of, of being in and around the, the industry and, and the club, right? I think so, definitely. Um, that's, yeah, part of it. And the longer you do the job, the more you kind of know how to deal with certain things and stuff like that. So um, yes, it's all part of things. There'll be lots of people people don't know about having to do this job. I, I was... Um, I was accused of being compliant with the football club the other day, which uh, made me made me laugh. Is it was this in relation to the the shares? It was, uh, which we've yeah, also yeah. been asked a question here. Actually, Max Hilton, what's the latest with the ordinary share allotment? Why is Atanasio taking so long to clinch the deal? So, um, the question: the club had to approach shareholders to get their agreement to release the shares. Um, and then they had to get the shareholders to waive their right to be involved in the share issue. They were the two things they had to do that. Uh, I think then they had to they had to do they had to then get stuff sorted by a couple of weeks unless they could negotiate that it would take longer. Um, and ultimately, that's all they've really needed to, to do in public. And whether it's Atanasio's side wanting to keep things under the down low um which is kind of how business gets done in america obviously or whether it's the club going we don't need this to be in the public domain we, we've done the bit with the shareholders no one else needs to know um either way and i think it's probably both if i'm honest either way if they don't have to tell anyone what is going on they won't uh i i don't i think the club it's very obvious to me certainly in the last two to three years that they are very keen to deal in 
things publicly that they want to deal with and anything else is none of anyone else's business <laughs> to be honest um and it, as supporters they will advise you when they feel it's right and they need to um and they want to be obviously as transparent as possible but sometimes it's probably more important to be seen to be transparent rather than whether you are actually being transparent so um the deal might have been clinched. The deal might be irrelevant. The deal might be something for later. The deal might be most important for when Norwich need the money. It might all be done and dusted already and no one will hear anything about it until the next AGM. Could be any of those things. Um, we'll see if they do anything or not. It'll be fair. I'll be just as interested as everyone else to find out exactly what and how that works. Posing a question to you about that, Michael, how much of that do you think hinges on a potential promotion? Um... Uh, not a lot in that regard. I, I, I feel like I feel like the situation was created because Norwich need the money, and so that that sort of instigated the the latest share issue. I think the Atanasios are kind of keen to really take their time and develop things over time. I don't think they're necessarily in a hurry. But likewise, if the club needs money and they're sort of saying to the Atanasios, "Can you help us out?" Then they're not just going to give them money. They're going to try and create a deal that is right for them there's also a lot at play with if you get to a point where shareholders are entitled to be approached by the Atanasios to buy their shares because they've got a certain percentage and things like that then the price at which that that that, that those offers are made becomes important just because it, it bears relation to the price the Atanasios would have paid for their new shares so there's a, there's a lot of um duty of uh care and fair trading to be done between everyone so um, there's a lot at stake, really. And I, I, I think um, that's probably why everyone's desperate to be um, careful. I don't know if careful is the right word. But yeah, but it will all come out in the wash and it will all play out uh, when people are ready to say, I guess, is probably the best way of dealing with that. Um, Killian O'Grady. I, I feel like I might have got that wrong again, Killian. If not, it's Killian. Hello, Killian. Uh, will we now see Max transition to midfield permanently? Uh, Ryan, what do you think? No. I agree. <laughs> I think it was to do a job, but I don't know how much Max provides going forwards. That's not really a winger, is he? He did he did do it as sort of... No, but his 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 ball-carrying numbers tend to be quite good, don't they? Very I think good. it's a, a right-back or a right-wing-back, absolutely. But I, I can't see him... Um, certainly in the way Wagner sets up with, as we said earlier, the two narrow wingers, I can't see... Um, him fitting that that mantle for more than just as you say, Michael, doing a job on Saturday because they were a bit short in in that department. Indeed, uh, Beck was at Stoke as my first away game for a long while. Probably not going to another game <laughs> game for a long time. Hey, at least you were there, Beck. You can say you were there. It's obviously very exciting. Um, let's go through a few more of these. Jeffman 98. At what point does the 81 point train get pulled out for a replacement bus service? It could be very close, Jeffman. We <laughs> could be very close to that. Um, Matthew Richards makes a good point. Ben Gibson's 25 yarder at Huddersfield was worth the emission fee alone. It's a great strike. It's a yeah. great strike. Force to save. Um, so that was good. And lots of then comments about. Tom Osborne says, late 90s. I think this was the... Um, Martin Taylor Martin Challenge Taylor. of Eduardo. 2000, yeah. 2007? Oh no, my it, was, it, was, um, it was 2008, I think. It was the, oh, my goodness. It was the 07-08 season because it was also the game which 
where was it William Gallas started crying on the pitch at full time yeah, after Arsenal right. blew their lead at the top. Well, no, in fairness, he was on loan, wasn't he, at Norwich in 2006 ish? So, no, no, he was, it was the same season. He was on loan at Norwich in, in, um, it's sad that I know this, isn't it? He went on loan to Norwich. I'd say I it's think... quite useful, to be honest. <laughs> uh, was it 2000, November 07? Because his debut was against Ipswich. And he did so well at Norwich that I think Alex McLeish recalled him in January. And then three games later, got a massive ban for breaking Eduardo's ankle in so many places. So, yeah. yeah. Um, kit talk then, as always, Matt Gregory. Worst kit was the rubbish Bruce Oldfield design shirt under Bruce Rioch. The all yellow kit. I mean, that kit was terrible because of the yellow shirts, uh, yellow shorts, sorry. Um, but the yellow shirts were all right, I thought. And the interesting thing about that kit, of course, was the same design, but then green shirts and yellow collar for the away kit. Mm. Just same with the Asics, really. The Asics kit was the yellow shirt with green stripes. And then the away kit was the white shirt with green stripes. Quite like that idea of just having the same design, but then just flipping the colors. Alex, for him, it was the 100-year special edition kit. That was the centenary kit, wasn't it? The, mm. Everyone's name on it and the light blue and white halves. That sound right? Mm. Uh, Ian Palmer, away Asics. That's the one I just mentioned there. Two right. Mm. Matt Gregory, away kit. Vitesse Arnhem, away purple kit. Yeah, that was a lovely one. Not worn very often. Mm. Um, so there we all go. Matt Gregory again. I will be at Sheffield United game. My first game since Newcastle last season. Well, I hope it wasn't you outside the director's entrance with your bed sheet there, Matt. <laughs> and now you've just been unbanned and let back in. <laughs> I'm joking, obviously, unless it was you, in which case I apologize. <laughs> um I think we're all done with everyone's comments, which is great. So well done, everyone. Thanks for that. We've we've gone over an hour of the broadcast, which is great work, which I think leaves us with Kenny Other Business, which is, of course, our quiz answers. So if you've played along, you might want to switch off and not hear and then catch up later with your answers. If you're watching, listening on the pod, then you can obviously press pause and come back to it when you figure them all out. Or if not, you can put yourselves out of your misery like I'm going to. And have the answers from our quiz master, Ryan, on this week's City Linky. Thank no you very linky, much. No likey. Sorry, I have to say. <laughs> City, no linky, no lighty. I love it. Okay. So question one, I'm going to go through the three questions, give you the subsequent answers, and then it will be the overriding answer to see if you get a point. So uh, question one, goalkeeper who has played more games for the club than any other player was, of course, Michael. <laughs> Kevin Keelan. Correct. Yay. Uh, the striker who sits third in the all-time top scorers list is... Mm. Ewan Roberts. Correct. Oh, because it, and I actually wrote Robert Fleck here, but he's number two, isn't he? So He's yeah. number two. So, inaugural City Hall of Famer who finished top scorer in his first season at the club as Norwich were promoted back to the top tier was Kevin Drinkle. Oh, Kevin Drinkle. That was it. Do you know what connects all three of them for the point? No. Uh... They are they are the first three Norwich players to win the Barry Butler Trophy back-to-back in back-to-back oh, seasons. Oh, yeah, great Kevin, link. Kevin Keelan, 73-74. Kevin Drinkle, 86-87. Ewan Roberts, 99-2000. That is great work. I didn't get that right. Well done <laughs> if you did. Question number two. 2.1. Former City midfielder who went on to manage the club in what was his first management role? I mean, it was the first one I went for, Peter Grant. Correct. Hurrah. Ex-utility man who made 54 appearances for the Canaries between 63 and 66 before moving to Chester. Not a clue. Was Mike Sutton. 
Oh. <laughs> and City legend and former Sheriff of Norwich, who was also briefly uh, managed the club, is, of course... Brian Can you think of the link, Michael? Yeah, this is going to be Suns who have played for Correct. the team. But they I can't think ch- of when Ray Grant did. He uh, played against... This is this is the, the hardest one. He, under Alex Neal in 1617... Do you remember Norwich had a FA Cup replay at Southampton? Yes. He uh, played in that game. Wow. Oh, yeah, game, they I were believe. really injury hit in that one. I was at that game. Oh, cool. Obviously, then Chris Sutton is Mike Sutton's son, and we all know who Brian Gunn's son is. Of Excellent. So that Good is one. the link. Absolutely. I got that oh. one. Yay. Hey. Okay, question 3.1. USA Forward, who is the subject of a club-made documentary called Resilient, is, of course... Josh Sargent. Absolutely. A Dutch one-season wonder who was unable to help prevent City's relegation to the championship that year. I'm guessing that's Leroy Fair. You are correct. He did make one championship appearance the following season. He did. It was his his sort of farewell game, wasn't it? It was. Against Watford. Yeah. Yeah. Ten minutes. And the last one, City Academy product turned pundit who is now best known for his wonky finger is... Robert Green. Absolutely. Can you work out the link between the three of them? No, I couldn't. Um, international playing at a World Cup. Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty much. I'll give you that. They all received a World Cup call-up whilst at Norwich. Yeah. It was uh, Sergeant 22, Leroy Fur 2014, Rob Green in 2006. Then he got injured and didn't make it? He did in, a, in an England B game against, I think, Belarus, where he tore his, yeah. tore his groin. Thigh. Thigh groin, was it? Yeah. Thigh, yeah. Maybe it was groin. No, you might be right. Oof, good one. Uh, okay, last question. At one time City Loney and now out of work manager, most recently sacked by Club Bruges? Scott Parker. Correct. Or Brugger. Uh, Brugger, Club Brugger. And Flemish, uh, which I learned off the TIFO podcast, John McKenzie told Is that about. how it's pronounced? If you're speaking in Flemish, apparently. I think that's oh. right. Oh, fantastic. I know. <laughs> Everyone listens of... to the TIFO podcast. You learn. Yeah, that. please do. Michael is on it. It's wonderful. Well, yeah. Uh, 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 question 4.2 after joining on loan this player scored on his debut against Ipswich before making the move permanent the following January no I've not got this right you've not got this one okay would you like a clue as to the year yeah 2006 uh... any clue I must be Hux no, it was a uh, Luke Chadwick. Oh no, of course it's not Hux. I'm about four yeah. years out. Luke Chadwick. <laughs> Luke Chadwick. Yeah, that that's just my brain. That one, Luke Chadwick. And the final question. And that was also time. also the game where he went into the hoardings and cut his knee. He wasn't did. It? He did. Yeah, and then he but he was out for was it three or four months after yeah. that for a, a, a relevant horrible. injury. Horrible. Yeah, I watched that game from a sports bar in London. Oh really? Yeah, that's that's as interesting as that story gets. But yep. <laughs> oh, Danny Haynes, eh? Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's a throwback. And question four point uh, three: After hanging up his boots, this former midfielder donned a gilet, which he also hung up before becoming a pundit. Tim Sherwood. Absolutely. Now, can you think of the connection between these three? Um, Scott Parker, Luke Chadwick, and Tim Sherwood. Forests? Are they all forests? Are they all? No. Um, did they all play at a big club? You're sort uh, of on the right lines with that one. You're getting warmer. Um, they all play in London. 
No, no, no. Would you like? Uh, it's to do with honors they've won. They've all won the uh, FA Cup. I'm just guessing now. Just tell me the answer, Ryan, please. They're, they are former City players who have all won the Premier League. Oh, so Tim so, Sherwood at Blackburn. Yep, 94-95. Well, he was at Manchester United. 2000-2001. And Scott, Scott Parker. Was he at Chelsea? He was at Chelsea in 2004-2005. And he made that season, including sub-appearances, because I did look this up, because I was convinced he got a medal. And it doesn't say it anywhere. But he made, I think, 14 or 15 appearances for Chelsea that season. Wow. And he... And he was in the celebrations at the end with the medal and everything. So that's the connection between them, former City players that have won the Premier League. Well, it, Ryan, it goes without saying, absolutely stellar quizzing work as always. <laughs> thank you for that. That was no, such thank you very much. Wonderful fun. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed it. I hope you all won. If you got all four right, then an absolute round of applause for being being awesome. Uh, and I think on that note, uh, that brings us to the end of this week's. On the Ball, the Norwich City podcast that cannot wait to find out how Kosovo get on during the international break. Uh, if you're yet to do so, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The pod is available free for everyone on your usual player. And we stream the recording of the podcast live in video form on my social media channels each Monday evening. Have a search and I'm sure you'll find them. Ratings and reviews, wherever prompted, are always hugely appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, sing me a direct message on Twitter. The handle is at Michael J. Bailey. As for this evening, a huge thank you to my guest this evening, Ryan. Stellar job. Thank you, as always. Thank you very much, Michael. I hope that everyone enjoyed the pod. I know it was just the two of us, but I thought we had a right old time, didn't we? We, we really did enjoy it, Ryan. Um, so thank you for that. And thank you to everyone who played along live, got your comments and questions in. Um, I felt that was a lovely Clear the Air pod. I thought it was a really tidy job. So well done, everyone, for getting involved. Thank you for listening, whether you're listening on the pod or live. Uh, we will be back on Monday week, the other side of the international break, for another installment of the On The Ball Norwich City podcast, hosted very ably, by Mr. Steve, Steve Sanders. If I can get his name right, that would help. Mr. Steve Sanders. Not like I say it much, is it? I, I mean, imagine him not being on the podcast. Imagine what that would be like. Um, yes. So we'll be back next Monday on the week. Oh, it's not going very well. I will be back on Monday week with the On The Ball podcast, hosted by Steve. Until then, never mind the danger.